Welcome to the Sustaining Healthy podcast, a collection of informative discussions around all aspects of health and lifestyle. We're your hosts. I'm Chels, coffee lover and corporate professional who recently realised there's a lot to learn about health. I'm Ellen, doctor, nutritionist and dog mum with an interest in preventative and female health. Join us as we chat about a new topic each week and attempt to navigate the complex landscape of health. Together we wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we are recording, the Wadjuk people. And just a reminder, our intention for this podcast is to share information for creating and sustaining a healthy lifestyle. And although the information discussed is based on knowledge gained through a medical and additional studies, it is general in nature and for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not intended to be in any form specific medical advice or recommendations or replace any form of treatment. All health queries and concerns should always be sought through your treating health practitioner with regards to your individual circumstances. The opinions in this podcast are solely of those of the individual and do not in any way reflect those of their employers or training facilitators. Hello, welcome to episode five of Sustaining Healthy. Hi, Chels. How are you going? I am good. It's been a good week for me, better than yours, Elle. <laughs> yeah, we'll go into that later. Today, we've got Beck here with us. How are you, Beck? I'm good. Yeah, excited to be here. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Beck's going to tell us a little bit more about her story, but first, we'll start with our health wins for today. To kick us off, Elle, what was your health win this week? I don't know if I'm a good person to start with. I haven't really had a health win this week. It's been um, just one of those ones where nothing too dramatic, but just lots of things have been happening. I've had a puppy in hospital and some surgery, and I probably haven't got to prioritize my usual things that I know that I need to do for my own health, like exercise and sleep. But I think probably my win is the fact that even though I haven't got to exercise probably for at least a week, um, it hasn't bothered me either. I can just let it go and go. That's life and um, we'll do better next week, which I think is something that probably in, at times in my life has bothered yeah. me before. So It's okay to yeah. have that every now and then. Wait, to clarify, did you have surgery or did you perform surgery <laughs> or did your puppy have surgery? It wasn't clear. No, my puppy had surgery because okay. he decided to eat a very indestructible toy. Um, I'll go next because I'm pretty proud. My health win <laughs> is that I've been – I am! <laughs> I've been setting my alarm the same time every day, which sounds so minor. But I'm finally starting to form an actual morning routine, which is good. I think my body's adjusting. So, Beck, just in case you're not aware, as you probably gathered, we start all our episodes with our health win for the week. Mm -hmm. So, have you had a health win? Uh, Yeah, my health win for the week was that uh, for the first time in about a month, I've actually finally got up for my 6am gym classes. Um, So, yeah, that was my win. Well done. Do you think you'll do it again? I'm trying to try to. This winter weather is really screwing me over. Definitely always a win at the moment when it's so dark and cold. 
So today's episode is all about celiac disease. We're going to hear from Beck about her journey to being diagnosed with celiac disease. Um, And before we get into that and some more general information, I thought we'd start off with defining it. Celiac disease is an autoimmune condition that results in damage to the small intestine in the presence of gluten in someone that is genetically predisposed um, to developing celiac disease. And gluten is a protein that's found in a number of grains, which include rye, wheat and barley. One thing I find so interesting about celiac disease is that I know people who have been asymptomatic, so they don't even notice that they have it, all the way to the other end of the the scale where I know friends that have actually had, they have seizures and things like that. So quite dramatic responses to having celiac disease and consuming gluten. But we've got Beck here. So Beck's going to tell us a little bit more about her symptoms or lack thereof and how she came to be diagnosed with celiac disease. So Beck, can you tell us a bit about your journey? Yep. So I'm definitely not on the seizure end of the spectrum. Um, I didn't get diagnosed with celiac um, until I was 21 years old. Um, so it was a completely unrelated health incident where I was seeing a doctor for a, like a chronic, um, wrist injury and I was getting tested for potentially having arthritis. As a part of that, they identified that I had really low iron. I don't have arthritis, thankfully. Um, and I went to see my doctor and I was also lucky in the fact that I didn't have any symptoms of iron deficiency. So I wouldn't have even picked it up, um, myself. I don't think for quite a while. Till quite a while later. Um, so yeah, as, as a part of having low iron deficiency, I got prescribed iron tablets, which didn't agree with me. So I eventually got a iron infusion. And as a part of that process, they test you for celiac disease. And my celiac antibody uh, came back like very, very high. I think they had to be less, they had to be less than eight and mine was 120 something. So it was very definitive. Um, and then I had to have a gastroscopy and yeah it was very clear that I had celiac so I've been on a strict gluten-free diet since then. Yeah wow and I think being diagnosed with celiac disease after having the first symptom as iron deficiency is actually really common like I know last time I had my iron tested they also then tested for celiac disease. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, But I've heard that before you have that gastroscopy or those final tests you have to consume gluten. Yes. Do you remember doing that? Well, I didn't have any symptoms of celiac, so that was fine. I was already eating gluten. In fact, I ate quite a lot of gluten in the lead up to my <laughs> biopsy because it was probably the last time I'd ever have to get to eat a, like a proper pizza and a croissant for the rest of my life. So I ate a lot of gluten. <laughs> um, and I think one thing you'll, you're hyper aware of, Beck, is that when you are celiac, you can't have gluten at all. Mm. So... It's in so many more things than you realize. Like I remember when you were diagnosed and suddenly you couldn't have certain soy sauces and yeah. like all, all sorts of things, like even alcohol, you've got to be really careful. Yeah. And there's stuff like stock cubes and like weird pantry staples, which you just like wouldn't think had gluten in them until you've read the label. Yeah. And I feel like that's something that's really um, important about talking about this topic and creating that awareness so that someone understands when you say you're celiac that that really means that you need to be strict with gluten because yeah. particularly as gluten appears to have become in quotation marks trendier yeah. um there's 
people will label things as gluten-free um, that might still have aspects or be used on the same chopping board or things yeah. like that and not realise that those things are really important yeah. for someone. That's- it's definitely the cross-contamination, which was is the hardest thing. Like, it's something that you have to be aware of and you have to, like, actually ask the kitchen, like, what do they do? Like, uh, like share deep fryers and stuff like that. Like, if you fry fish and chips in um, a, a deep fry and then you fry something that is actually gluten-free in that oil, then it's no longer celiac safe. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that. And like one of the good examples I got given was that someone said to me, if you put a peanut in a deep fryer and deep, like, and deep fried it, you wouldn't then go like put something if someone had like a severe allergy to like anaphylactic allergy to peanuts. Yeah. So like yeah. if you put it in, cause that's what it is. Like 20 parts per million is the threshold that I've been told is the amount of gluten, which is like a, like a tiny amount. Um, so it's the same as someone being like anaphylactic to peanuts and it's not when you need initially tell someone, oh, I'm gluten free. They don't assume that it's like a serious mm, like. Yeah. yeah so that's, I guess, had those ups in terms of there's probably there is a lot more awareness and um, oh, there's so many more options, options in the And like, it's so much better can, now. Yeah. Than 10 years ago. But also it's blurred that line between what's strictly yeah, gluten. Yeah. And, like, as a general rule, I feel like we've benefited from gluten-free becoming, like, trendy, as you say, because you can literally get, particularly in Australia anyway, like, you do find when you travel it's a lot more difficult. But, yeah, there's gluten-free options on just about every menu. And now all of the, like, staples which you felt you were missing out on, like pizza and, like, good pizza and, like, biscuits and cookies, like, Arnott's have just bought out, like, a really good, like, their biscuits in a gluten-free range. Um, So that's slowly happening. And those things... You can get them and they are celiac safe because they're made mm. from providers who so understand. Yeah, because I think now there's food regulations yeah. around that. It's probably more your cafes and restaurants yes. that yeah. wanting to know that they're doing it. So I guess um, how have you found it's impacted your life day to day since you've been diagnosed? It more impacted me initially because it was really hard. Like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's not that hard because there's heaps of options. But you'd look at things and you'd like have cravings for stuff that was in front of you and you slowly just get used to the fact that like there'll be a plate of food on a table and you just aren't aren't able to eat anything and that's you just have to like come to an acceptance point from that um and you learn with the cross-contamination that like it's like okay to ask like sometimes you feel like a bit of a pain like you're going up and you're like okay can you just check that for me or like are you sure that's celiac safe not just gluten-free um So it's more just like becoming aware of like what you can do, particularly in like the cafes and restaurants. Um, And then just finding gluten-free swaps because some of them are awful. Like you go through a supermarket and you've eaten some stuff and like it's that typical stereotype of gluten-free things taking like cardboard and some of them do, they're disgusting. Um, And they're also really expensive. Yeah. And the portion sizes are tiny compared to like a gluten-free box of cereal is about half the size of a normal box of cereal. It's double the price and it tastes worse. That so that's annoying. A, that is a really unfortunate side effect of being diagnosed. Um, so we actually have like about 75% of our listeners are in Perth. So can you give any tips on your favourite places in Perth to get various items? And I've got a list from some other friends too to share. Oh, the Gluten-Free Lab is like one of my favourites. Like their pizzas are delicious and their pasta. Um, and they apparently they do a tiramisu, which I haven't got my hands on yet, but I really want to try. Oh, yum. That's my favourite. <laughs> What about your, you've got a local fish and chip shop, right? 
There's only like what? How many in Perth? How many fish oh, and chip shops in Perth do gluten free? Not many. <laughs> They're also very spread out. So red redfish in Attdale, okay. and then there's one in Currambine called the Great British Chippy. That's also amazing. And they have separate deep fryers and all the stuff and separate utensils. Yeah, because that's the challenge. It's not just finding gluten free food. It's finding gluten free food where they prepare, you, prepare yeah. it correctly. Yeah. Like Chinese food, I miss. So if anyone has a recommendation for gluten free Chinese food, like celiac safe Chinese food, please let me know. <laughs> So obviously none of this is sponsored by any of the places we're talking <laughs> yeah. about, but we will pop a list um, of any of the recommendations we've collected from the people we know, including Beck, um, on our Instagram as well. So Beck, just some final words from you. I know you, there was a bit of a tough adjustment period when you were first diagnosed, but do you have any tips for anyone who's recently been diagnosed in terms of like what they should be doing at home, like what lifestyle factors they should be adjusting? Yeah, one of the first ones... I I actually did this because my boyfriend did it for me. Um, so this is not off my own back. Um, but getting a separate toaster and a separate butter and all the type of things where like you would dip a knife which has touched a piece of bread back into a jar. Um, get a separate one, label it as gluten free, and stick it in the fridge. Because um, yeah, that was something I didn't do for a little bit like too long <laughs> after I first got diagnosed. And also, I probably didn't understand very well. Like yeah. they say, you can't have any gluten. But 20 parts per million is like, there's things that you don't consider. And a toaster was one of the ones I just yeah didn't consider for a while. Mm. When you got diagnosed, did you get much support in terms of seeing a dietitian or a specialist? They recommended that I did and I didn't. Um, I, I, have, I have close family friends who were celiac, so I got a lot of tips and stuff from them. But yeah, no, I didn't go see a dietitian. I think I get that though. There would be an element of like, I don't know if it's resentment, but you know, you suddenly oh, have, to give, yeah, you have yep. to give up all your favorite foods. So you're like, I understand that being a tough thing to come to terms with. And I can imagine for you, because you weren't experiencing like overt symptoms, symptoms yeah. when you were eating gluten, it wasn't that that then turned you off. So yeah. even though you, you're still doing, and that's the tricky thing is you're still doing that damage to the gut. So it's still just as important that you're on a celiac diet. Yeah. But because it wasn't deterring you from eating it, it would be even mm, harder to harder, then exclude yeah, yeah. it. And the cross-contamination thing, just to be aware of it, because like, then the onus literally just becomes on you and how like well you've done your research about what you're eating, um, whereas other people will get symptoms of something that is cross-contaminated and then they're aware going forward, whereas like even stuff like um, foods changing labels and changing the ingredients, like they oh. tell you that every single time you need to check the label in your grocery store, when you're in the grocery store. It doesn't happen all the time. And I had a stock cube which changed their branding um, and changed their ingredients. And I just bought it like I normally would. And it was only my brother who read the label when he was cooking something. He was like, oh, this has gluten in it. And I was like, ew. Yeah, wow. It does. It's all of those, that time and energy and having to kind of constantly be aware of it. But once you've got your stuff in place, it's fine. It's just the initial, the initial hump is the hardest way. And I think it's important to be like easy on yourself in terms of like, you're going to make mistakes and like, that's normal. Despite the fact that I've accidentally gluten myself on a number of occasions, I went back and had my two year biopsy this year, last year. um, And it like came back all clear. So I was really happy about that because yeah, I can't because I don't know if, if I get anything that's cross contaminated when I eat it. Yeah, I was very stressed that I was like accidentally eating things that were cross contaminated, but yeah, very happy my results came back clear. 
So, Beck, it's been so interesting hearing about your journey and we're really grateful you've come on to share that because I, I think it will be relatable to so many people out there and we'll definitely take your little tips away and share it with some other people we know that are celiac. But, Elle, can you just build on Beck's story by giving some more general information about celiac? Yeah, definitely. So... I am definitely not an expert in the area and gastroenterologists are the specialists that deal with celiac disease as well as being managed by GPs quite often in the community as well as other allied health professional. But if we go back to just some really general information about celiac disease, so it can be diagnosed at any age possible slightly higher rates in females compared to males and understanding and being aware of celiac disease can be really important because it's one of the most common autoimmune diseases affecting approximately one in 70 Australians and we know that there are probably a high proportion of people that might have celiac disease that are undiagnosed at the moment so One of the challenges about celiac disease is that it can present with a really large variety of quite non-specific symptoms. So this can include different nutritional deficiencies such as iron or folate deficiency, fatigue, changes with stool like diarrhea or constipation, abdominal pain, bloating or discomfort, weight loss, as well as different skin, joint, or neurological symptoms in some cases. Or, like we saw in Beck's case, can be asymptomatic and it be picked up for other reasons. So if someone is experiencing these symptoms and wants to investigate further whether it could be celiac, what are the next steps? Yeah, so definitely if anyone was experiencing any of these symptoms, it's recommended to see their doctor who would generally do a thorough history examination and then, if appropriate or celiac disease was suspected, they would undergo a number of investigations. So in general, these investigations can involve blood tests, so which are called celiac serology. And if this was positive or indicative of possible celiac disease, then they may undergo a gastroscope or an endoscope, which is where they can get a biopsy of the small intestine that then is uh, assessed. Yeah, and I think that's what Beck said she did, started off with a blood test and then it went to the next level. Yeah, exactly. And it's not uh, always as straightforward as yes or no. No test is 100% perfect, but that obviously is in that all of that information is assessed by a doctor in a clinical picture of of the history exam and tests. Uh, One thing that is quite important to note when those tests are performed is that For both the serology and the biopsy under the gastroscopy, um, a person needs to be consuming gluten in the kind of four to six week period prior to those tests being performed. So which in itself can have challenges because if, say, someone is experiencing some of those symptoms when they consume gluten and may have self-removed gluten from their diet it can be really hard to introduce it back in but is really important that 
it occurs so those investigations can be performed. Uh, This also is another reason to reiterate why it's so important for someone to present to their doctor whenever they're experiencing these symptoms so the investigations and and assessment can occur as quickly as possible. Uh, So as we touched on before, the management for celiac disease is a strictly gluten-free diet for life. And as Becky explained in her experiences that it doesn't just mean avoiding foods that cause symptoms, but that all gluten has to be avoided, uh, including any of that cross-contamination that we touched on before. So because it is such a significant change to someone's diet and, and involves quite a lot of thought preparation and can be quite life-changing for someone... It's really important that both GP, if a specialist gastroenterologist involved, but also allied health, such as a dietitian, is involved to really give someone the support in those areas to to adhere to that strict gluten-free diet once they've received a diagnosis. So some of the other reasons that it's really important that someone receives a diagnosis or is investigated for celiac disease if they do have it is that they need regular surveillance or follow-up with their with their doctors and that's because there are a number of things that people with celiac disease are at risk of so there is a small increased risk of nutritional deficiencies osteoporosis some gastrointestinal cancers and can have a potential impact on fertility So Elle, from everything you've said, it's clear that celiac disease is very serious and not something to be taken lightly. So I also know a lot of people, not celiac, but that lead a gluten-free lifestyle um, due to various intolerances. So what is the main difference between celiac disease and someone who is gluten intolerant? Yeah, so there are a few different categories that come outside of celiac disease, and this can include gluten sensitivity, wheat sensitivity, wheat allergies, or another category that's been identified as non-celiac gluten sensitivity in the literature. We won't go into the details of these, but the major difference between someone that's been given a gluten intolerance diagnosis, which is generally a diagnosis of exclusion, is that the they may get symptoms as a result of consuming gluten and that tolerance can be at varying levels depending on the individual, but it doesn't cause that damage to the small intestine like we that we discussed in celiac disease. So that's it in very general terms and not the specifics of those different disorders, but we might be able to talk about those on a different day. So we're approaching the end of the episode now. Um, Final words for me are I reached out to some other celiacs that I know. It's interesting how many there are. I've got to say, I recently organized an event for about 40 people, five of which were celiac. Um, And isn't it interesting that my initial thought was, are you gluten-free or are you full on celiac? And they're like, we're full on celiac. One of them was like, um, this is not a choice. Like <laughs> if I could eat all the food, I would eat all the food, but I can't. But I think I'm just aware of the difference between celiac and gluten-free or gluten intolerance. So I just wanted to make sure that 
if we had celiacs at the event, which we did, they were being properly catered for and I could query the caterers too um, in the correct way. And a couple of tips from them for more things around Perth. Are, so carambines come up again. I've never even heard of that. Apparently Buddha Bowl there do acai and bagels. You've also got Hell's Freak Cafe, which is everywhere with good gluten-free options. And then somewhere called Angel Falls Grill in the CBD, which is 100% gluten-free. So oh, a couple really of tips from me. Uh, Elle, any more thoughts from you? Um, no, I guess just with that and maybe what we touched on a little bit with Beck before about gluten-free in some ways becoming a bit more trendy or readily available is that I think there can be this idea that gluten-free means healthy. And so I just wanted to touch on the fact that just because someone has something has a label that says gluten-free doesn't necessarily make it healthier. That, that makes a lot of sense. Cool. So thanks, Beck, so much for joining us. Um, loved your insights. It's, I think it's really valuable. And Elle, thanks for all your knowledge as always. Thanks, Chelsea. And of course, as we spoke at the start, of course, everything we've chatted about today is very general and educational. If you are concerned at all, please, please go and see your health professional. Um, if you would like to see more of us, we are at sustaining.healthy on Instagram or www.sustaininghealthy.com. And if you enjoyed the episode, please leave a rating or review. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> see you next week, Joe. Bye.